Hi, you're listening to Elevate, the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. As long as you keep telling yourself, I can make this happen, you will be able to make it happen. Even if it's not then, it's going to be sometime for sure. You should always be around people that elevate you and make you feel good and make you feel optimistic and people that also share a growth mindset. You never might know what your passion is. If everyone's doing engineering, you might be really, really good at biology. It's important to take that step to explore. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, a series designed to explore teachings, ideas, and thoughts on empowering young girls while celebrating difference. I'm Ramita Anand, your host, teacher, and educational mentor and I'll be chatting with insightful activists, thought leaders, creatives, and all-round brilliant champions for girls. Through these conversations and my work at Elevate RA Mentoring Services, I hope we can join forces to foster meaningful connections in order to alter the narrative around what being different, especially for young girls, signifies. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Elevate podcast. This episode is rather special as I welcome our youngest ever guest onto the show. An enterprising, dynamic, and wonderfully inspiring young teenager, today's guest is the lovely Bredna Manoj, who at the tender age of only 15 has accomplished and achieved more than many of us adults might struggle to in the span of our own careers. An advocate for aspiring young girls taking up technology to make positive change in our world, she truly embodies what it means to build impact in society, while she continues to empower girls to be able to do just that. Based in Toronto, Canada, Perdna is an artificial intelligence innovator, the recipient of the 2022 Youth Excellence Award, and most impressively, probably, the winner of the Dragon's Den deal in 2021. She has previously interned at global tech firms such as Walmart and has founded her own medium publication called Trailblazers Times Impact. She is passionate about bridging gaps in healthcare, sustainability and education with the power of AI. Well, if this young lady's introduction has not already got your jaw dropped, in addition to her intellect, she also exudes the warmest, most charismatic and honest energy. She enjoys playing chess, debating, and playing a musical instrument known as the veena, a stringed Indian classical instrument in her spare time. She has worked on creating personalized digital literacy programs as well as design curriculums for underprivileged youth in Ontario, while also having the top job at the teen magazine as an editor where she interned. She says, rather wisely I might add, that she loves learning and making mistakes because, as she says, making mistakes helps me learn more. This is a first for Elevate, but hopefully not the last. I have not ever had the privilege of interviewing a young girl as young as Prerna on the podcast before. And I have to say, I am very excited for a number of reasons. Firstly, because as you know, this podcast is aimed to provide a platform and resources for those working with or raising young adolescents to feel their best selves in all areas of growth and development. But also because we have spent a large part of last month, which was March, that includes International Women's Day and of course, Women's History Month, 
talking about the very themes around gender equity within the sphere of technology specifically. Therefore, I am honored and delighted to be able to share ideas and hear thoughts firsthand from a young adolescent girl paving the way for huge amounts of progress in this very area. So without further ado, I shall not keep you any longer so that you can learn more about Prerna and welcome her onto the podcast so that you can be as wowed as I have been. Welcome, Prerna. Thank you so much for the intro. That was so nice. Amazing to hear. And I'm just so grateful to be on the podcast. So just thank you so much. Oh, it's such a pleasure. I wanted to start by asking you, and obviously because most people I interview are adults, I always go back and I ask them what they would describe themselves as a young teen girl. And that's what you are. So I would love to know if you might give me some adjectives that you would describe yourself as today. I would use curious because I'm always curious about new technologies, new ways to solve problems, innovative. And I would say open-minded because for me, one of the biggest ways that I started getting into technology and getting into things that I love was just opening like my mind and my heart to new things um, and exploring just like all kinds of fields. Fantastic. And tell me, would your friends agree with those words as well? I mean, I would hope so. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> always good. It's always good to know. And what do you think your parents would say in terms of what kind of adolescent you are, what kind of young girl you were? Were you always curious as a youngster, as a baby? Do your teachers always have the same things to say about you in their reports? I think, honestly, I was a little more annoying um, as a child. I, that's what I've heard. Because of the questions that you ask? Yeah. I, I, in general, I feel like I was just a little bit more naughty because I grew up in India and I actually had my family all around me all the time. So I was definitely like, I had my grandparents always backing me up, the stuff that I was up to. So I definitely say I was a little bit more annoying and kind of messy as a child. And then I guess I ended up kind of getting a better understanding of what I wanted to do, where I was, and like kind of my my interests and my passions. And I was able to kind of shape it into what I'm doing now and hopefully what I'm going to be doing in the future. Um, that is just music to my ears, given how many of us struggle with that throughout our late teens, early 20s, sometimes 30s and 40s. So it's amazing. And I've, I guess from that exact message, I would love to ask you if you might be able to remember your earliest memory of yourself that might have been the clue to finding your passion and pursuing what you're doing at the moment. I would say it would probably be like grade seven geography class, which is awfully specific because for me, my journey kind of started just playing chess. Like I was just a chess kid and like a debater kid in like grade six. I didn't really, you know, and I, I just enjoyed playing music. Um, that was kind of it. Sorry, just to interrupt you that you made that very dismissive. But I have to say that's a lot. Music, chess, debating. That's not just your average amount of young person's interest. That's quite a lot of really amazing things. So credit where credit's due. Oh, my God. No, thank you. My parents were very open to letting me do what I really liked. And for me, you know, I really enjoyed singing and playing chess was something that I liked, but I didn't know how to get into. So they really helped me follow the passions that I was just interested in. I was like in a geography class and I never had geography before. So I didn't really like it was very new to the stuff that we were learning there. And I kind of learned about the water crisis, which was something that I was very unaware of. And I didn't know about the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And I didn't know any of the problems that were because I used to hear people talking about world hunger and like bits of the climate crisis. But I didn't really understand it. And it was 
not something that I was aware of. And so learning about it in geography class, especially the water crisis, that's what stood out to me. Um, and realizing that, you know, there was so much that we learned, but nothing that we actually did about it. And I guess that just kind of struck me because um, we did like a presentation and everything. But then after that, we just moved on to the next topic. And I just felt like that felt like a little flawed and a little weird to me. And so I feel like that was kind of the moment where I realized like, oh, I kind of feel like I'm like the kind of person who just wants to like do something about it type of person. So your story is giving me goosebumps because it obviously does remind me of exactly how Greta Thunberg started her journey with something that she watched at school and realized that none of her teachers were actually giving them solutions. They were just presenting more problems and she wanted to be part of the solution, which is clearly what you've also demonstrated, which is absolutely inspirational and so wonderful. So thank you for being such a curious young lady. That's just incredible. It was a really exciting result and wonderful journey that you've been on with Dragon's Den. And I'm so curious if anyone listening may not understand what the term Dragon's Den or what the TV program refers to, I thought you might A, tell us what it is, and then maybe tell us how the experience got started for you, how you got involved and how it all unfolded. Basically, Dragon's Den is this national program where you kind of audition for it. And then if you get in, you get the opportunity to present your startup or your idea, or your company, essentially, to five or six of the best entrepreneurs in the country. Um, and these are like crazy people. When I say like, they are so cool. Like they run like unicorn companies and companies that are making actively making impact in the world. And the time that I was on Dragon's Den, which was, um, I believe 2021, was with Michelle Romanow, um, Manjeet Minhas, Wes Hall, who was the new dragon, uh, Vincenzo Guzzo and Arlene Dickinson and she's also been a dragon for a while and these were the dragons when I went I kind of got involved it wasn't really a startup it was just an idea for the water crisis that I've been working on it was a water conservation product uh, with a social enterprise model and I actually didn't really know any of the business terms but my mentors and some of my friends especially my family as well really was like hey like why don't you give it a shot like it seems kind of cool and I did not know how to fill in out like fill out half the stuff that I, I like, had never heard of the terms before so there was a lot of like figuring out like learning along the way like what it meant to start a business and how different it was from you know building an idea and it's a really cool idea versus actually taking it somewhere else and so I only really just had like a really mini MVP and I, I was I don't know if I can like go on Dragon's Den. But um, thanks to all the support that I received, it was a nice process. I was able to just apply and see what happens with it. And luckily everything worked out and, and I was truly like grateful to the producers who were like super nice to me during the auditions. And I just, it was like a prep for like around two months um, of just working on a, a good presentation and, and seeing what would be the best way to present my problem and the solution that I came up with. And due to like COVID and stuff, there were delays as well. So it was a very like, there were a lot of like hurdles along the way. But in the end, I was able to go on in front of five of the coolest people that I had ever, they were so cool. And I was able to talk about what I really loved and what I was doing at the time. And I feel like at that moment, I really could see that they were able to understand, kind of relate and just more than that, just be able to be like, hey, I want to support a cause. And so I did receive, uh, it was Wes Hall who first offered the 25K that I was asking. And then it ended up being a share invest, shared investment, which was honestly amazing to hear East Dragon kind of contribute and tell me about 
just how cool that they thought it was and how just cool that they think it's important in general for young people to take that step and, and keep going with what they like and you know take that initiative for something that they love. What I'm hearing a lot from you is the fact that if you are working towards something you're passionate about, you could be talking to a board, five cool dragons, den entrepreneurs who might be intimidating, but it doesn't matter because you're so, what comes across is your strong belief in the cause and the mission. And as long as a listener today was to have an idea and was really passionate about it, would you just say, keep going because you don't know who might listen to you and how it might come across? If you really love it and you believe in it, they will believe in it, right? If you know that this is a problem, I can solve it, I can make an impact, and you are able to, it's not about like, you know, you have to sell your product and your idea, but it's also about selling yourself and your dream and your your passion for it. And if you kind of really, really put your focus on that, you can communicate that passion to people who probably don't even, you know, like they, they, hear, they hear so many things. So, you know, you really have to stand out and talk about how much you love it. Like it, it's just, and of course, I mean, the metrics also matter, like all the, you know, the, like the numbers, but definitely communicating your passion and your love for the problem, as well as your solution and your approach is very important. And I definitely would recommend keep going with it as long as you love it, like you have to love it and you have to enjoy what you're doing. And as long as you do that, it's possible. <laughs> Everything's possible. Yeah, I agree that you probably need a balanced view of understanding the, like you say, the metrics, but having that sometimes we dream big. And we forget about the practical side of it, which is probably where I fit in. I have lots of great ideas and no real ways of actually making it come to life with practical means. So I think that's a really good reminder for people who are business minded or have big hopes for launching something one day like you are at this point. What actual emotions would you say were going through your mind? Were you at all faced with any fear or doubt? And what advice might you give to other people who actually sometimes the fear and the doubt become so overbearing that they don't put their for ideas forward they don't actually even voice them because of this dark cloud of absolute panic or yeah worry i absolutely was so scared like i will not lie there's no need to it was terrifying i remember like i was just sitting there for 30 minutes looking at my camera like talking to myself and i was like no one can enter this room because i was just practicing and just like you know going through my my ideas and everything and i feel like feeling like scared or like worried about okay what are they going to think about my idea or, like it's definitely normal you know everyone feels it but i feel like what's important is also being like at the same time it doesn't matter like i really love it I'm passionate about it. I'm going to make it come to life regardless of anything. And if you're able to communicate that to them, like I can succeed with this and you have that self-confidence, that mentality, or even like just keep telling yourself that is definitely one of the big things. Like, like it was like, for me, I was like, I don't know what to do. And my parents were like, what's the worst that could happen? They say you don't, they don't like it. And then you just keep going with it because you like it. So I feel like they also were able to relate to it. And they were also really, really nice about it and, and were so complimenting and so nice. So that really helped. But I guess it's all about faking it. I was also like, oh my God, like the people I've seen, I watched like the scariest episodes too before I did my audition. Like I was going through the episodes and I just watched the ones where the dragons were like drilling everyone. And I was like, oh no, like, but 
as long as you keep telling yourself, even if you don't feel it at the moment that like I can make this happen, you will be able to make it happen, right? Like even if it's not then, it's going to be sometime for sure. Oh, that's really fantastic and really reinforces a lot of the messages that um, Elevate stands for. And a lot of that is to use positive mindset and to try and reframe any thoughts of fear or doubt into exactly like you say, put out your worst situations and see what is the worst that can happen. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't change anything. So let's talk about this vision that you had and this incredible problem that you were trying to solve with your service and product. You chose to tackle shower water wastage in Canadian households. If Do come in and correct me if I've got this wrong from my research. Um, and your solution was to have a sustainable water conserving shower head. I mean, seriously impressive. Could you talk, I don't know if you're, how much of a, you're allowed to give away or how much of this business idea is still under a construction. I'm going to put that in, in, in quotes because I'm not sure if that's the correct word, but is coming to fruition. I just think this is absolutely fascinating because for so many reasons, um, what you're doing for the planet, what you're doing for the environment is one thing, but also the fact that we often put this, I don't know if it's undue pressure, but we often say as the generation that I'm from, that the youth are our hope. And listening to this and reading your story and being introduced to you gives me that glimmer of light and that beacon of hope that actually you are the perfect example illustrating the fact that our youth can be our saving grace because of the mess we've all made of our planet. But you've chosen to tackle this issue and I would love for you to talk to me a little bit more about what it is and how you're going to do it. Yeah, sure. So um, my business is on a hold for a while because I decided I wanted to have more emerging technology in it, but I didn't have proper understanding of what emerging technologies were and what I really wanted to do with it. And so I decided to put it on hold so I can actually expand my technical skills because for me, being able to actually become better at coding and become better at the languages that I needed and the skills that I needed to take it to another level was something that I, I had to take time off and like work on. And so that's what I decided I'm going to be working on like now in post-secondary, like not just my idea, but the, my skills that I need to build any sort of idea to, to follow my dreams, right? Because when I started, I really only knew very basic like Python and my idea was fundamental Arduino stuff. I had to figure out how circuits worked, which was by far the worst thing ever. I won't lie. There were so many ideas and features part of the shower. Like my, my goal was from geography, I learned what's important is to have an economic, economic sustainability, environmental sustainability, and social sustainability in ideas and anything you build. And so I wanted to kind of hit every pillar. And so each feature that I kind of talked about, I would talk about the fact that they're hitting these pillars. And that was because my knowledge was very limited in grade seven, and it was a little bit of grade eight, not even grade eight wasn't over yet. It was just a little bit of grade eight was over. So we were able to learn a little bit of everything. And so I hadn't done grade eight science either. And in my school, they do teach electricity in grade eight. But since I hadn't learned it, I didn't really understand what it was, which was sad because the timing was a little off, but it was fine because it's all about figuring things out. And so it worked out for me. And I was able to learn a little bit of C that I needed to kind of get a single featured MVP going on my end. But kind of the summary of my product, the PA Shield, is to tackle the three pillars that I talked to you about and ensure that it's not just about reducing water, shower water wastage, but it's about connecting with the customer and being like, yes, 
there's all these things of, you know, we can reduce this much water and we can save this much water and everything, but it's about you taking that step, right? Like we have to be a collective group uniting towards this problem. And part of my my mission and, and, and what I kind of communicate to my uh, target market is that I have all these kind of tools and these ideas, but it's up to you to decide how much you want to reduce and how you're going to take your journey and your self-motivation to decide how much water you're going to reduce over time. And so there are a lot of kind of features that like that, like timer features and so many features like that. But it's again about user customization, right? It's going to be hard to say, okay, go from two hours to five minutes, right? I think that's unreasonable, honestly. And I think that because sometimes we have all these privileges and we don't realize and it's it's be like hey it's like go like that it's like going to be really hard for people so it's like about that growth like let's try to like reduce like a small step at a time and let's make that change happen slow and steady because if we go slow and steady we can actually get there instead of just jumping and that's something that i really communicated to my target market and i noticed from surveys that i collected that people prefer building the connection with whoever they buy from and ensuring that it's not like forcing them to do something, but like encouraging them and and pushing them towards a vision of environmental sustainability and taking care of the environment, but in a in a steady, slow manner. So yeah, that's kind of the vision that I was working towards. I think you have just demonstrated so much of your technical knowledge about the ins and outs of developing such a product, but also on a more macro level, on a much more universal level, is the idea around educating your consumers and getting their buy-in but if the mission is aligned with yours then the ins and outs of the product become sort of secondary and the other thing I wanted to touch on based on what you've just said is so encouraging for young people who might have vision but then don't know how to get there what you've just illustrated beautifully is that you got the vision you even won the Dragon's Den the competition you've got the funding for it but you'd realize that there were lots of little steps in there that you hadn't quite mastered or quite understood. And you went back to fill the gaps, which is also a really nice way of saying nothing works the first time around. And every small step you take towards trying to work out the right way is the journey is what you should be celebrating, not the end result. It's always good to start with like a note, pull up a notion or a doc and just write what you really, really want to do. There's so much resources out there. We're so lucky to have like currently like a base where we have everything on the internet, basically. So there's so much resources, organizations, groups that are ready to help you, mentors that are willing, you can reach out to. Cold outreach is really, really important when you're starting something because um, like when you have this idea and you have it kind of like a little bit flushed out and everything, but you don't know whether you should continue with it. Asking people like people in that field or people in general, right? Like in, in the business field, um, which is what I noticed that helped me a lot. A lot of other dragons then like deal winners. Um, like I was able to get mentors who helped me set up meetings with them and they really, really helped me. Um, and one of them I can, I guess, if I am allowed to give a shout out to Andre Bertram. He really taught me, like he was the dragons and deal winner. I don't remember which year, but it was for his company helpware, I believe. And it was really, really helpful because he helped me understand what presentation should really look like. And some things that, because I'd only known how to do it in the school way. And so it's like, well, it's not really a school presentation, right? It's, it's, it'll look different because I'm trying to tell them so many different facts and statistics and everything. But if I lift them out in paragraphs, it's going to be impossible. So kind of showed me the importance of impactful presentations, like innovation presentations. And so that completely changed my presentation style too. I don't, 
I follow the rule that like you have like big impact slides, like, your font cannot be lesser than 30 and stuff like that. And there's like all these things. And I, I kind of realized like it, that should be kind of something we teach school too, because in school, it's- you've just touched on my next question that I was leading on to, which is, do you feel then our curriculums are designed almost now to be outdated for the world that we live in? Should we have more presentational skills that our children are going to be working in and have the best results with why are we learning to do essays if really what we should be learning to do is entrepreneurial style impact slides isn't that a skill that most of us should all be learning yeah like definitely like that's something that i also communicated during my pitch actually to some of the dragons i was like there is a lot of stuff about school that i really love that they're doing really great but there's also stuff that i think that can be improved because I feel like there's not been a huge change in that over the past years when everything else has changed, which is kind of weird. When I was um, an innovator at the, the TKS, the Knowledge Society, um, there, I, I learned about like sciences like the, like genomics and and future food and like you know and stem cells, which I was like, what is this? And then when I when I you know, explored those topics, I'm like, there's so much that I don't know because I'm like, like it's hidden from me because of a curriculum. And the curriculum is very important because it takes it one step at a time. And I think that's very important for me because it really helps me. Like I believe school curriculum for science is good in the sense that it's broken down and it's like, you know, easy to like go through and everything. And, you know, it's, you take it one step at a time. You can't jump from like not knowing any programming or basic programming, building AI, which is what I try to do. And it's, it's very difficult. So it's a, I, see, I think it's very helpful that school has that thing, but I believe that a lot of new stuff that's relevant to our world has to be incorporated, like more presentations and exploring the new things in our world right because it's important for the young generation to be aware of what is currently rising with the emerging technologies especially like i feel like ai has suddenly risen from chat bpt for sure because everyone knows about it dally all these the ais that are able to replicate artists in the music industry so much is the ai is taking over the world by storm and i feel like people are just suddenly knowing about it which is kind of sad because it's been doing open AI so like as a company it's been working on a lot of their products since like years right and a lot of companies have been AI has been growing for like so many years and now it's just surging because people are starting to get to know about it um and I think that you know like there's still going to be so many other technologies in our world that are going to be like pushing forward like that and it's important to incorporate those technologies in some way or another just for students to explore and understand that it exists and this is something that they really love. They can they can take and push forward on their own, right? And I do wish I knew about AI at a younger age, so I could have perhaps learned about it. It's definitely really difficult, but at least known like a surface level understanding of what it was and, and the impact it could have at a younger age, for sure. Yeah, it's a really good message for educators and, and people that design school curriculums. Obviously, I can see the challenge with, as you say, some parts of science and technology that move so quickly that you can't possibly keep rewriting curriculums and textbooks and getting new targets out for for educators each time something moves. But I do feel that in terms of skill set, whether or not you keep up with the science or not, like you say, it's not just science, it's a skill set that will take them into life no matter what field they're interested in. So being able to learn these entrepreneurial types of skills is really important and and these attributes will take them a long way food for thought for all of us teachers out there you mentioned that you had help and you had support and you were able to get um, guidance on things like your presentations because obviously in school you were still very young and you hadn't quite mastered some of those skills 
So I call this the cheerleading squad when I work with my students. And I really would love to know how, or maybe you didn't consciously actually choose your cheerleading squad, but what do you think girls your age or younger should be looking out for when they're developing what they call their tribe or their squads or their friendship groups? Because it doesn't necessarily mean just your peers. Your cheerleading squad can be your parents, your coaches, your grandparents. It doesn't matter. Tell me a little bit about yours, who you find are the closest people in your cheerleading squad. And then I would love to know how you define a good mentor. For sure. So obviously my parents have played a big role in it. For me, my parents have never forced me to do anything. They've just said, hey, this exists. It's cool type of thing. And I'd be like, oh, cool. And sometimes I would totally not like it. And then sometimes I would get right into it, right? And so it's important to be around people that don't like force you into things, you know, or like even if they do, realizing that you should create options for yourself and you have to be open to exploring different things. And my parents, I'm very lucky for that, but not everyone has that, but they're very like open to me exploring new things and and going into whatever I really like. And in terms of like friendship connections and what you should look for in a friendship group and in friends in general, which I think is really, really important. And the people who you befriend is people that are like-minded for sure. And people that you believe help you constantly become a better version of yourself. And they've got your back in a sense. One of that big things that I've learned is that when you're around people that constantly make you improve yourself, and or like high standards you know they're like no maybe you can improve on this or maybe you should think about it in this way right i would say in just general like audiences and people you talk to and present to you should always be around people that elevate you and make you feel good and make you feel you know optimistic you know positive environments and and people that also share a growth mindset because being around people with fixed mindsets or who are too pessimistic about things can also like push you down So it's important to be in friendships that are positive and that are always helping you become a better version of yourself. And I guess in theme of the podcast, elevating you. And so in terms of also what what I believe um, you should look for in a mentor um, is someone whose passion or job aligns with what you want to do. I think that's very important because um, your mentor should be someone in a field or somewhere where you kind of want to go into, I believe. So that really helps your goals and their goals kind of align, I guess. And they can help you in the best way that they know and that you would like. I think that was a big deal for me and having people that entrepreneurial mentors and people who are kind of in the entrepreneurship field or in, in university studying entrepreneurship was really helpful because they were able to relate to my visions and be able to help me and offer great feedback. Uh, on things that I did. And also, I guess, people that have values that are aligned with you and that you look up to and you think that their projects are really cool. Like, that's like, those are like signs that, you know, that person could be a great mentor. So I think those are some characteristics that are really important when you're looking out for a mentor. And I guess always keeping that connection with your mentor and scheduling those meetings, having those conversations. What I'm hearing from you is it's important to have values that align with somebody else. And obviously, especially a teenager, working out what your values are and what you really believe and don't believe. Sometimes it can be really confusing. And the idea of a a good mentor, hopefully, is to help you maybe crystallize or work out those issues that you might be having or conflicts you might be feeling. Definitely. If there is a teen um, out there today that feels maybe a little bit stifled, a little bit less creatively free, 
to be the child that they want to be or to pursue the hopes that they have. Do you have any advice for them on how they might be able to speak to their parents or what maybe advice for parents? It's important to realize that you should be open-minded and ready to explore on your own. Take courses at school that you may, you think like, I mean, there's no way I'm going to be a lawyer, but like, just take law, see what it's like before you rule something out. And for me, I try to take as many interesting things that I didn't know about in grade 10, like economics and law and things like that. I was just like, I always wanted to know about it. I know I'm not going to be a lawyer now, but it was just like an intro to something that I'd never thought about before. So I would say, do the things that you have in your, you know, in your, in your hand. And if, if you can choose your own courses, going on the internet and, you know, there's so many online courses and just trying different things out. And you don't have to decide right away because like you might hate something at first. Like I hated programming at first. I thought it was the worst thing ever because it was so difficult for me and I couldn't understand it. But then you take the time and you explore a little bit more. Maybe a couple of years later, you pick it up again. You say, okay, it's actually really cool. And then, you know, you end up doing a lot of stuff in it and it becomes your career. It could be, but it doesn't have to be. But not knowing what you want to do is definitely like totally okay. I still don't know. Um, And I would say also, you have the internet. You can always explore different things, try different things out because you never might know what your passion is, right? Like if everyone's doing engineering, you might be really, really good at like, I don't know, biology, right? Like it's important to take that step to explore, to do what, you know, watch those YouTube videos that are cool. I don't know. Amoeba Sisters is a really fun YouTube channel that I use to learn about human systems and stuff. Even though biology is something that in school scares me a lot because there's so much vocabulary and everything. But when I actually just learn the concepts and visualizations and watch it, it's the coolest thing. It's far more interesting like than some of the videos that I watch, some of the programming videos I watch, right? So it's like, it's about taking that step, using the tools and the resources you have access to and propelling whatever interests you, just, just going right for it. If you don't like it, oh, whatever, you'll come back to it maybe later, it'll get better, right? So it's just about keeping that open mind and no matter what people tell you, you should follow what you love because what you love is a good sign of what maybe you might be good at. I'm I'm so speechless. I mean, obviously, you are a dream for a, any young parent or or student teacher. Any, I'm actually kind of not sure you really are 15. I think there's a the mind of a very wise soul inside the 15 year old body. So, do you feel this has been a bit of a shift from before winning Dragons Den to post winning it that people have taken more notice of your questions and, and and wanting to spend more time cultivating your interests i definitely think that if you showcase your curiosity obviously it's not the case for every teacher but most teachers i believe will be excited to like you know replicate that excitement because they're teaching the subject and they're really excited about that one subject and so when you come up with questions and you go beyond you know it really excites them and so you can build that connection and also you know, pursue something like some sort of project or some sort of idea beyond the classroom. So I think it's about, yeah, having that open mind again. Goes back to what you were saying right from the start. So I would love to know if you could have dinner with somebody you totally admire or famous or not, somebody you haven't met yet, who would you like to have dinner with? I would probably be Indra Nui, um, who was, um, he is so cool. Like, oh my God, he's so cool. For anyone that doesn't know, she's absolute role model. She was the chief exec at Pepsi for many years, and she's paved the way for lots and lots of particularly, well, I should say women of color, but all women trying to make it. And I suppose being a young Indian girl yourself, having another Indian role model and somebody in that space is representation. It's fantastic. Yeah, I know she's so cool. And I kind of went into like, learning about her journey and, and just following her. And she's so cool. 
Tell me what your biggest vision to change for girls might be in the next, for the generation that's coming up with you. What's one thing you'd love for all of you to change? I think more girls just getting into technology, specifically technology, because when I remember like this random dude came into my computer science class, like, you know, a couple of days back and he just walked and he's like, oh my God, I've never seen this many girls in the computer science class. And there were like five girls and that kind of shocked me. And I think that, and I talked to my friends in other schools and I feel like they all kind of see that in their classes. And I'm like, you know, especially computer science, like that's the one that they talk about a lot, but even in some of the like sciences too, there's not a lot of girls. And I just think that, you know, it'd be really great if we were able to encourage more girls to go and take those classes and not be intimidated by the fact that they don't see other girls. Because the more girls get into those fields, the better those fields progress too, right? Because we have more opinions, more people that are interested in it, more thoughts and more innovation. That's like you know that's it and so I feel like seeing more girls in the classroom and even more like diversity in the classroom also would be amazing and something that I hope to change for women in STEM and I pray that this is all headed in the direction that we hope to see it go and that is thanks to young ladies like you who are paving the way as I said right in my introduction what are the things that you do for fun Recently, actually, I've been connecting with Bollywood music a little bit and exploring different bands and, and different songs. And, and I don't know if you know the singer Arjit Singh, but he's really famous um, in India. And I've been like, a lot of people talk about him and I'm like, I don't know like about it because I don't listen to it. And I started getting into it and I actually really like it. I was like, damn, this music slaps. Um, but also like, <laughs> like, it's good. I'm just kind of exploring all kinds of Indian you know music there's so much out there so much variety and also i guess i've been you know i really like k-pop too for me music like i like a variety of music so k-pop and also like bts obviously is one of the famous ones but also just the weekend i just really like the weekend <laughs> yes and they're canadian that's so we're we're both very proud of our canadian fame yeah for sure i'm a big fan of the weekend as well well, thanks again for everything that you're doing. A huge amount of gratitude for your geography teacher that opened your eyes up to the issues that we're facing because now you are helping solve a major problem for many of us in the world. And thanks to your curious mind and inquisitive nature and your wonderful perseverance, so much yet to come for you. There's so much that I'm sure lies ahead and the success that is due so rightfully your way. I hope it continues and that I start to follow your success throughout all the time. And will you keep us posted and maybe come back on the Olive podcast when your products are launched and you can tell us what impact you're making? <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, no, of course. Like, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy talking about my journey, um, the stuff that I love, the stuff that I do and the people that helped me get here. And um, shout out to so many people, including my parents, mentors, friends, who really, and teachers also, definitely, who part of providing me feedback and helping me shape my vision and my future. So thank you so much. Yeah, and I can vouch, she is really a teenager. She's only 15. If you're only listening to this and you're, <laughs> you're not sure how this young lady is being so eloquent and so wonderfully full of gratitude as well, what a testament to young people you are really and what a credit you are to your lovely parents so thank you Prona. it's been so nice to talk to you i really appreciate you coming on to the elevate podcast no thank you so much ramita like amazing to be able to talk about the stuff that i've been doing and you know even reflect on it like a little bit so thank you so much for having me 
And that's everything from us today. Thank you to all of you for joining in and being part of these very important conversations. I hope you will continue to support our cause by sharing the podcast to raise awareness with others. If you get a moment and could rate and review the podcast, I would also be hugely grateful. I'd like to extend a very big thank you to Ryan Prestepino from The Pine Studios for all the hard work that he does to help me bring this podcast to all of you. Until next time, stay well and speak soon. Bye for now.